Welcome to another episode of The Cast, and we are excited to have you tune into our podcast. We believe that every one of us has the potential to conquer the mountains in our lives. We strive to help our listeners overcome this by providing words of encouragement and life-changing testimonies from those who have conquered their mountains. Tune in and enjoy the journey. We are excited to bring you yet another amazing episode of The Faith powered by Double Arrows of Grace. We believe that all all of you listening are more than conquerors, and that is why we are committed to you by providing life-conquering tips that will transform your life. On this episode, we are excited to bring you a very special guest. This guy is just not a friend to me. He's a brother to me. Also, someone who has influenced the lives of many and and changing lives, and he's one of my favorite speakers as well. This man is a pastor, a fiance, a community leader, and he is someone who is committed to his calling, has not let the mountains of life prevent him from completing the task that God has given him. So... I want to start off by saying thank you for being here, man. And, uh, you know, for those listening, this is this is a good brother of mine. I uh, love this dude. He's always available to people. He's a, he's a leader, a fiance, incredible, an incredible man of God. Um, again, man, thanks for coming on here, though. I appreciate you so much. Sure. For sure. So, you know, a little yeah. bit of background. Like, I know you already. You know, we, we've gotten to hash it out. It was actually pretty cool the way we met um, through social media. Uh, it was Instagram, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we met through Instagram and then, you know, not just, you know, a little bit of talking here and there. And then we met up at a cafe and it was just like we were family right off the back, dude. It, yeah, it, yeah, man, immediately. Yeah, it's pretty cool when you have people like that. Like you just, you know, you just see them. You're like, uh, this is going to be my best friend right here. You know, just right For off the real. Back. <laughs> I love it. It's it. like instant. Yeah, man. I love it. And, you know, it's even it's even more interesting just to see like the things that you're doing as well um, on top of like, you know, I mean, it's just incredible. And I want you to actually, you know, get back on that. But first, let's start off a little bit about you. Um, I know you were born here. Well, you were born in Brooklyn from where you were telling me before and uh, raised here in Staten Island. And I was one thing I asked you and we could share with the listeners. How was that transition? Because I feel like Staten Island, Brooklyn, you know, any of the boroughs and and here is just different. I feel like Staten Island is almost like Jersey, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So like, I was I was super, super young. So I was born in Brooklyn. I only lived there for about like a year before my family moved out to Staten Island. But I'm super familiar with Brooklyn because that's where kind of grew like in churches. Yeah. Like most of the churches I went to was uh was in Staten Island. I mean it was in it was in Brooklyn basically until I was about like 18 years old. So I was super familiar with it out there. It's definitely two completely different beasts. Um, but yeah, you know, Staten's kind of like know like home man stands is where my heart is you know i can never i can really never see myself leaving over here as crazy as it may sound because you know Staten Island gets bashed so much um and sometimes rightfully so but um you know it's kind of like where we just where me and my my fiance made our home you know she's a police officer over here and it's uh it's you know it's just where my heart is man this is where this is where i'll end up being for the rest of my life that's awesome that's awesome and you know um Shout out to to your fiance becoming a police yeah. officer. That's amazing, you know, uh, sacrificing all that time and just to keep us safe. Uh, amen to that, you know. God bless For you. Sure. And yeah, yeah that, that's awesome that your your heart is here. You know, I'm from Florida, so <laughs> the whole transition here, man, is just to me. It's like ah, uh, I need to run away. I need something more flat, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a whole different world out here, and 
you did mention there that your parents, um, well, you lived in Brooklyn, you were going to, um, you're going to churches in Brooklyn. So your family, I imagine, were they, were they saved the whole time? Were they, you know, were you a pastor's child kind of deal? Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a third generation pastor's child. So my grandfather, oh. my father's dad was a pastor as well. And my father being a pastor and myself as well. And, um, so this is third generation down from my, my late grandfather, rest in peace. But, um, but my mother too, my mother comes from a Christian background. It's crazy because my whole, my whole family was rooted in Christ long before me. Mm. Um, like I said, my mother, her parents, my dad, their parents, not to say that, you know, my dad had his years where he had wandered off from the Lord. Um, even my mom. So everybody had like their kind of moments, but, um, my family was always rooted in Christ. And ever since I was born, like once they had like me and my sister, it was 100% like my parents were sold out for God. And that kind of like kind of led us to breed that culture inside of our family. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a huge blessing, man. You know, so I, I consider it an honor to be able to consider in, in my, uh, my grandfather's lineage of, of being a pastor. It's just something that's in my blood at this point, that's you know, awesome. and you, you never be able to deny it. That's awesome. And you see it in your life. You see it in your social media. And, you know, it's something I aspire to because I can be very hot headed. And um, I see that I'm like, be like your brother, Joey. Be like, (laughs) you know, relax, chill. Like Nitty says, chill. Oh, man, I get get my my areas. I have different areas where I lack, man. So, you know, we all got our our battles that we (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and, and I appreciate that too about you that you're so transparent about those things. I'm, I feel like, oh, yeah. I, you know, I feel like a lot of times, and this is something even that dates back to when I was an atheist, where I used to look at Christians and be like, oh, they, they, they're this people that think they're perfect and better than everyone. But you don't see that with you. I, I see the complete opposite with you. And you know, even being in the faith, I see the complete opposite with so many people who are just like, you know, just like so chill. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Christianity was never supposed to be about. Um, achieving this kind of perfectionism, Christianity was never supposed to be about gaining access into like this exclusive club of Christianity. It was never like that. You know, I've been reading a lot about the story of David. I've been reading Psalms, and and there are moments where where David is very human and very real and talks about his his wow. own struggles and talks about his own sin and, and confesses it in direct conversation with God. You know, so um, the the kind of um, the I guess the dichotomy between you know Christians being perfect and then Christians being true, it's sometimes really hard because it it blurries people's perception of Christianity. You know what's the reality? Is it to be this perfectionist, or is it the reality of the situation, which is knowing that we're made righteous by Jesus? You know, so mm-hmm. it's you know it's finding that that balance. You know, it's just tough on the on the part of the Christian because we have to defend the right version of it. Yeah, and especially now at times where you feel, like you know personally, I feel it's a lot of um, pointing fingers, you know. Yeah, and, and I'm not gonna lie, sometimes I'm guilty of it as well. But it's a lot of oh, yeah. fingers. It's a lot of uh, you know, like a like a mask in front of their in front of people's faces as well. And, and I, yeah, I, I totally agree. So you mentioned earlier that you grew, you know, your family was um, grew up in the faith and all that, and. Mm. I've met people, you know, on both sides, like myself, I really didn't grow up in the faith, you know, I grew up completely disobedient, mm-hmm. um, probably doing everything under the sun that you shouldn't be doing, <laughs> Yeah, um, and, you know, but I do hear that those people who, um, a lot of the people who grow up, you know, with family who's, who's very strong in the faith, 
uh, face a lot of challenges with that as well in their childhood. Would you Would you agree? And, and yeah, yeah, for sure. So the um, the class of being, you know, like a pastor's kid or like a preacher's kid or somebody yeah. that's you know, raised in the church does not eliminate you from facing the same, you know, fleshly desires that somebody that wouldn't be in Christ faces or doesn't fight the same temptation that somebody who isn't in Christ faces. You know, we're still subject to everything that somebody who does not believe is subjected to. We just have a source to be able to cast that upon somebody who does not believe does not have, you know, and, um, and, uh, you know, it, there is a pressure involved in being um, in being a child of a pastor because you are looked at at a different lens because your life reflects the life of your pastor. So, like for instance, um, I, I went to uh, I went to a Bible school once, and my um, and my professor said something that really spoke well to me, and said, um, "I think the number one well, she said was the number one ministry that a that a." a pastor has is his family. So if a pastor can't pastor his family to salvation, how can he lead other people? That's, you know, that's that's an interesting point. If you don't mind me for a quick second. Yeah. yeah. Um, You know, it's something that really, that comes to mind a lot. I see, you know, and tell me your thoughts on this. I see a lot of families out there of the faith and, you know, I understand the whole um, nobody's perfect idea, you know, but I see a lot of these family where it's just, they look like they're falling apart. Yeah. Out there, you know, um, one preaching or building uh-huh. ministries and, and all that. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's not to say that a child, a child going astray is a direct response to a lack of effort on the side of the parent. Mm-hmm. I don't believe the two work hand in hand because there was a long time where my sister had been away from God. Yeah. Um, yeah. My parents were consistently praying in and out, you know, nonstop on their knees for my sister to return to Christ. And now she is, thank God, you know, she's returned. Yeah. She's a very powerful woman of God mm-hmm. now. Um, but I believe that that is your, that is your first, that is your first ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can't, if you're, if you cannot lead, if you're not interceding for your children, if you're not interceding for your spouse, if you're, uh, you know, a child who has somebody who maybe your, your father or mother, uh, you know, is not in the faith and you're not interceding for them, there's a whole responsibility at that point. So I feel like that's where the responsibility on the on the part of a pastor's child comes is that like, okay, I now represent my father and mother, yeah. you know, and I represent who they are in Christ. Not only are they the pastors of my church, but they're also my parents, you know, so I, I have to represent them on two different levels. Not to say I haven't had my moments where I, you know, where I'm acting a fool and I'm doing what I want to do and I've fallen short of his glory, you know, countless times. Not to say that I haven't had my moments like that. But it's always understanding who you're representing. So I'm not only representing God, I'm not always representing my church, but I'm representing my parents. So that's kind of where the pressure comes, you know? Yeah, that's powerful. And I love yeah. the way you put that. And, you know, it's it's very encouraging to hear that, especially uh, from somebody like yourself, who's about to be a married man. That's, <laughs> oh my God. How, how, like, are you, I mean, you must be excited. I remember when I got married, I remember when my wife actually walked down the altar at the church you passed her at, and I cried. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't believe so. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, man, I'm going to be a wreck when I see, when I see Tiff walking down the aisle. I'm going to be an absolute Dude, wreck. I'm it's crazy, really, it's, you, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's beautiful because, you know, it, it was funny because before, before we were at the altar, uh, you know, <laughs> I was telling myself, I was like, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. In fact, I felt the <laughs> wanting to come up. I was like, nah, 
nah, man, I'm not going <laughs> to do this. And as soon as that door opened, my, you know, Pastor Roe tells me, dude, it was just like waterfalls down your eyes, bro. It just like, came yeah. And I'm like, dude, I couldn't hold it. Because you understand, like, especially like now you're on the other side of being married, it's like, you understand the work you put into yeah. not only finding that significant other, but finally getting them to that point. Like there's, there's so much buildup to that point. I remember, you know, when you're looking for a place to get married and you're looking for the right date and the right time. And there's so many different, um, there's so many different aspects in terms of planning that actual date yeah. that you see it kind of finally come into fruition. And you're like, Oh my God, you know, this is my, this is my wife. This is the woman that God chose for me. And yeah. when you kind of really think about that at that moment, like, I know for a fact I'm going to be, a ma- I'm not even going to try to hold it back. Like there's no point. I'm going to be an absolute mess. And I, know that, it. <laughs> and, and, and I love that. I, resp- I think that's awesome. Cause you guys have been together for some time now, you know, me and my wife got married within nine months from me yeah. closing the deal. Um, I know you guys have been together longer and I feel like the longer you've been together, there's more anticipation there. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Up, you know? For sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. dude. So you know, now you're, you're, you're going to be a husband and one day you're going to be a dad and you have those values and, you know, it's very encouraging yeah. to hear because I believe those, you know, those uh, values will be lived out in your life and you're, it'll be rolled over to your kids. So now you, you lead a young adults ministry. Okay. You also pastor a church. Um, do you want to give us a little bit more details on that? Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm currently the youth pastor, um, youth young adult pastor at Freedman God Ministry Church um, on 549 Bard Avenue. In Staten Island. Um, sorry, we started about a, a year and a half ago. Yeah. And uh, pastorship was something that was a long time coming in my life. Um, something I was called to do when I was younger, when I was about, I think I was like 15, 16. Okay. Uh, prophesied uh-huh. over, told that I'll, I'll be a pastor one day. Um, it was a long time coming because it's not, it's not easy, the road getting there. And it's yeah. not easy sustaining it. And I'm still learning as I'm going. I'm far from a perfect, um, a perfect pastor. There's still so much you have to learn. You know, when you become a pastor, I feel like there's so much more you still have to learn about God, but then you have to learn about the craft of pastoring in itself and how the two entail together, well, you know, because you, I could love Jesus yeah. with all my heart, but still need a lot of um, learning in order to cultivate myself as an effective pastor. Yeah. And that's, that itself is a journey in itself. You did mention you were 15 years old, if, I, if I'm correct, where you were prophesied. Yeah. Now, being 15 years old is um, being told something like that. How was that? I feel like if I was told you're going to lead a church at 15 years old, I would have ran away. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, it's crazy. Cause I always felt my whole life that I was going to be a worship leader. I always felt I was going to, you know, I was going to sing my whole life or I was going to play piano my whole life. And, um, you know, um, his ways are higher than our ways. You know, that's what his scripture says. And, and he knows what was best for me. And when I heard it at 15, it wasn't, it was more of an honor. Um, because, you know, when you're in the gospel your whole life, you kind of understand. That's why I always have more respect for people who didn't know Jesus and came to know Jesus through whatever child, you know, like yourself, you know, you're somebody who found Jesus after it wasn't something that was embedded into your spirit or embedded into your family or your bloodline or your culture. See, for us Figueroa's, it's easy. You know, it started off at the top, you know, it was my grandfather. So it came down. So it was easy on my end. Um, But like, I have more respect for people like that. So like when, when it's when it comes to the point of me being prophesied over to pastor, it was more so like, oh man, like okay, I I am the next in line to do um, the work of Jesus as it's been intended for my last name to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it, Figueroa's have pastor. That's just that's my lineage. Um, 
and you know I, I would pray that uh, one day son or daughter uh whatever may have you they'll be able to to pass on that same lineage you know it's it's just um it, so it wasn't pressure for me um it was actually the opposite i received it and it's almost like i neglected it for years yeah and i i just completely just disregarded it for a very very long time um until god had to bring me to a low point in my life in which that's where that calling started to manifest itself well wow, it's amazing so you were 15 years yeah. old you got prophesied over um to do what you're doing and now you know you're here a full full out adult about to get married leading yeah. uh people and uh so back to to your calling now um mm-hmm. you know we we've had a lot of conversations about what god has totally spoken to you to do and one one thing that really like you know that that comes to my attention all the time that I really admire as well is the unification of the churches. Mm-hmm. You know, especially in Staten Island, so many churches and, you know, right here where I live at on the same block, there's about two, three churches. Yeah. And I guarantee you, they probably don't even associate with each other. Yeah. You know? But on the other hand, you, you, you're different when it comes to that. You know, I, I go to Kuhau. You're in mm-hmm. faith, you know, you, you've associated with people in movement, ICC, which are, yeah. you know, variety of churches here in Staten Island. Um, tell us a little bit about that, more of the unity of churches and what God has called you to do. Yeah, so I just um, think about a year ago, I just, I got something in my heart that made me consider that I think the body of Christ in Staten Island um, was very divided. And it seemed like no church really messed with any other church or really, um, or really integrated with any other church. And I couldn't figure out why, um, you know, I'm just in my heart of hearts thinking, you know, you know, we're all here for the same reason and we're all here to bring the same message with the, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the humanity. And, and I'm thinking like, we would obviously be so much more powerful as a body of Christ to Staten Island. Staten Island is so small to begin with. We'd be such a, a larger force if we banded together mm-hmm. and concentrated our resources. Um, not to say, you know, I believe biblically that there are certain people that are called congregations. I'm not talking yeah. about people around between churches because they don't feel comfortable in one or whatever may have you. But in order to just integrate Christians as a whole on Staten Island, in order to breed more of a Jesus culture. Because the more Christians know each other, the more Christians um, associate with one another. I think that culture is then blasted through the island. And, you know, there's more people conversing about Jesus. There's more people um, meeting out um, about Jesus. There's more people writing about it. So I just thought that kind of made sense. And just through it, through you reaching out to me, um, through... um, with the young adult leader, I think I reached out to them and it just kind of like manifested into, you know, let's just all get to know each other. Like it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be this in, you know, this innate desire to want to do everything together. But I just think that Christians need to be around other Christians. You know, and my church is fairly small. Um, so it's, I think it's, especially our young adult group is fairly small. So like for me, I think it was important to bring my group around other people around our same age that also love Jesus because it helps build their faith as well. Uh, that's powerful. And, you know, can you imagine, like, <laughs> I think about it and I speak to, I speak about it with others. Like, can you imagine if the Bible 
was, you know, mentioned the church of, you know, the church of Ronnie, the church of John mm-hmm. Jay, the church yeah. of on the corner, um, you know, opposed to what, what I've seen in the Bible. And please correct me if I'm wrong, where it's more, you know, the church of whatever city is in kind of deal. Um, it's like yeah. a different dynamic from now. You know, it's, it wasn't. Oh, yeah, we have advantages now that obviously when churches were first being created, um, you know, back in New Testament times, uh, we definitely have more advantages now. 100 percent this is you, our time to leverage that do you feel like sometimes those advantages can also serve as disadvantages in some ways well i think it's important to understand that anything with growth in christ uh needs to be organic i don't think mm-hmm. it needs to be forced um I, i'm all for um unification of people yeah. of christian people but i also don't think it need. it's not something that needs to be forced something things with god other than you pushing for somebody's salvation, I don't think needs to be forced because if it's a, if it's going to be a move of God, God is going to lead this move of God. I don't have to lead anything. Mm. I can be the bridge between it, but I don't have to lead it. Um, so I don't necessarily there in terms of disadvantages. I don't really see many disadvantages other than perhaps friction. Um, I know sometimes there could be friction in terms of like pastors, because sometimes yeah. maybe they, you don't, you know, you don't know everybody's level of Christianity. You don't know the real, you know, the realness behind them. A lot of people yeah. could, could put on a Christian front and it'd be completely, you know, it could be completely false, you know? So I, it could be that friction of just from a pastor perspective, just making sure you're caring for your sheep and making sure they're not being integrated with wolves in sheep's clothing. I think that's the only kind of disadvantage of that. If you get what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Yeah. You know, if, if it was me and I wouldn't want the people that I'm passing over integrating it to maybe people that may seem like, you know, on the surface, they're people loving Christians, but under the surface, it could be, you know, it could be a different story. That could be the only real disadvantage of it. But if everybody's following Christ, then there's no reason we shouldn't do it together. What are your thoughts if, um, less on other churches, like, you know, some of the larger churches that some people tend to say, you know, they're like uh, rock concerts. Let's say, for instance, you know, Hillsong. Hillsong, I thank yeah. I thank God for Hillsong, first off. Because, you know, I was an atheist. I walked in there not believing in God. I walked out of there with my hands up, praising God. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. two different dynamics. But um, not everybody sees it that way. Everybody sees it as more as a, a show being put on because, you know, um, what's going, what goes on there. And I've seen some stuff that's yeah. pretty alarming in there as well. But for the most part, they are bringing people to God. Yeah. So, yeah, the way I see it is this. Um, so wor- worship goes so far beyond the presentation of it mm-hmm. that I I personally, I could care less if it was Hillsong or if it's a, you know, small 10-person church with mm-hmm. one singer and no musician, because that that's not what worship was created to be. It's not, it's not, um it's not predicated on the amount of talent. It's not predicated on the, the bells and whistles. That's, that's not what worship is. That is the, your presentation of worship to God can be like that, but it doesn't, you know, that's not the essence of worship. So for me, I, it doesn't matter to me. If I go into a place that is worshiping God, I'm going to worship God, irregardless of what the presentation looked like. I, I am a big proponent of what the Hill songs and the elevation, you know, churches do because the optics of it bring people to Christ. And if God, if you want to spread the gospel to people and that helps bring people into church, I am all for it. And all of these stingy Christians that don't believe in that and don't think, and think that it's in some way, shape or form, a, um, 
an impure or, an, or disingenuous form of worship, I think that's religious because first of all, you don't know those worship leaders for Hillsong. You don't know what their personal life with Christ is like. Mm. You don't know the hours, maybe the tears that go into writing a song. You don't know that. So I think it's looked at a very surface level if you're pushed off to it just because it looks like a concert. Worship could look like anything. Worship could look really good. Worship could look really bad. I could be worshiping God and look beautiful with my hands up. I could be worshiping God crying on my floor. The optics of it don't necessarily depict the message of it. Wow, if you get what I'm saying, awesome. you know, Absolutely, so yeah. I, I'm, I'm totally, you know, I'm totally for all types of, as long as you're worshiping God, that's all I'm asking. Wow, man. Uh, I think uh, some listeners are going to be put in their place by listening. That, that's awesome. And, and I totally <laughs> agree. You know, again, like I, I think about myself, if I was, um, you know, if it would have been another church, I probably would have walked out there like, Maybe feeling yeah. a little up or whatever, but you know, Hillsong seeing the pastor getting on stage with a leather jacket that opened up a lot of doors for me because I'm like, yo, yeah, you know, th- th- this guy's more relatable than a man on a suit for me at least. You know, what I've realized is um listening to a lot of these pastors. So you know, I, I I'll I'll listen to all your current pastors. So your your Furtick's, your Carl Lentz, your Judah Smiths, your Michael Todd's, all of them. You know, and they all have the cool look, right? You know, and which makes yeah. it optically make it look more relatable. Like if I'm somebody in my mid twenties and somebody invites me to church i'm gonna be like oh wow this guy looks kind of cool he dresses like me he sounds like me but if you listen to them biblically they're so true when it comes to their biblical perspective and that's what i love about it is that they're not giving you an incorrect gospel they are giving you the gospel of jesus christ and they're bringing people to god but what drew them in was that optic of that you know that cool looking church so i'm all for that like i will never be against that in my life as long as people are coming to know god as their savior that's all that matters. And then after they accept, and, and this is kind of, I think, where things maybe get delineated. After they accept Jesus into their life, it is now their responsibility to grow. And they have to go into their Bible for their own and learn more about, okay, why is this, you know, why is there a team of people worshiping Christ? Why is this concert being put on? Why are we worshiping Christ? You know, so once you yeah. get to understand the why, then the 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 events that happen don't even matter as long as you know why they worship, you know? Wow, that, that's awesome, dude. And, I, and yeah. I have to totally agree. And, you know, and it's very well put together, man. I'm encouraging, as always. No, so, no just trying to bring, bring the truth, man. That's it. So, you know, with all that being said, you're in your calling, you're, you know, developing this young adults ministry, you're preaching at the church. Um, yeah. You know, with all this being built, there's always challenges that come behind it. What, are, what yeah. would you say are some, you know, one major challenge that you face when when stepping into your calling? Yeah, so you you realize often that um, when God is working in something, obviously the enemy gets very pissed off about it. Yeah. And the devil will try to come at you in many, many, many different ways. Um, so in terms of ministry itself, the biggest way he'll try to discourage you is when it doesn't look like you intended it to look like at the beginning, Mm. you could very easily be discouraged by it. You know, we, we've been putting on what we call Friday night raw services, which you obviously you've tended a lot Mm -hmm. of the, a lot of your church supports. And that's why I love Christ Uncensored for it. Um, and we started putting on the shirt and they're getting very, very large in terms of quantity. They're being very powerful. God is moving. God is changing people's lives. But when we first started this youth, the young adult ministry, it, that was not it, man. It was me with maybe four people from my youth group. And that was it. And trying to put on whole services without anything. You know, I'm the only guy who knows the system. I'm the only guy who plays piano. I'm the only guy who sings. I'm the only guy who preaches. So it was like me trying to put on like this kind of jack of all trades. Like a one man band. People. 
Yeah, like a one-man band, exactly, for the people in the church. And that can be very, very discouraging. As a, as a young leader, as a young pastor trying to build people, it can get very discouraging. And you feel like, wow, like nobody, you know, God, you've called me to do this. I'm putting in the effort. Why, you know, why is nothing showing for it? So the enemy then tries to come into your head and say, you know, you're not good enough for this. You can't do this. You, you know, you're letting God down. You're not putting in your best effort, which is a lie. Things that are in Christ have to grow. You know, they have to, and that's why I say things that in Christ grow organically. All I did at that point was then just focused on seeking God, prayed and asked God, God, I want to do what you want with this ministry, whatever your vision is for this ministry, let it be. And then over the years, it started to grow, you know? That's so awesome. that, that's like, that's like one of the bigger challenges It's just, especially in any leadership mode, yeah. it's just not being discouraged by thinking your leadership is ineffective. You know, I, and I believe like, you know, that falls into the world of entrepreneurship or just anything in yeah. general where yeah. like, you know, I remember when I posted something a long time ago, all I gra- had is uh, one view on it. And, you know, like later it grew not much, much larger, larger, but it did grow and larger, yeah. it trickled down to it. But if I was discouraged just by that one of you, just like, oh, it's not what I yeah. intended to be. It was not what it looked like. I mean, none of this would be happening now where, where I'm going, shooting for it now. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's, yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm sorry. You go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I think it's important to, you know, especially in the age of social media where we're in, where, where everything is so visible, you know, it's, it's important to not really focus on the view, but focus on the value that you're bringing. Mm. I think that's kind of where, where things tend to change a lot because for me, right. Um, when I started becoming, you know, and, and you know, God's intent is to always keep us humble. So when I started to preach, you know, you get a lot of good feedback. I think my sermons are good. Okay. dope. So my initial response was, okay, now let me hit social. Let me try to get my social media game up and going and going and going and going. And then God had to check me really quick. And cause I didn't see the results I wanted to see, you know, you post something, you post a video of, of a sermon or something like that. It doesn't get a lot of likes. You post something like this, it doesn't get a big response. So what's the deal? What's the deal? And that God checks you and says, hold on, you know, I can get you to a point like that, but this is not for you. This value is for other people. This value is for the sake of my gospels, for the sake of my kingdom. So when you focus it from that aspect, then you lose sight of the social media aspect of it. Like for me now, I, I will rarely to this point because I'm in a season that I'm growing with God, not growing in my media game. So I'd rather focus in on that than spending time trying to push, you know, my, uh, you know, my IG or my Facebook or things of that nature. So wow. it's important to, to understand the value of what you're bringing and to really cherish that. that that's awesome. And, you know, it kind of ties into my next question uh, before we start wrapping stuff up here. Yeah. Um, you know, we believe, we strictly believe people are more than conquerors. We believe that everybody has the potential to reach greatness and do so much with Amen. their lives. And, Amen. you know, with somebody like yourself who, who's doing so much and so much amazing work, what are three life conquering points you will give to the listeners? Tuning in now, um, two to three mm-hmm. points that, that will help them, you know, let, just conquer life. Yeah. Uh, number one, I would go with... Um, the verse, uh, James one, two is my favorite verse of all time. It. And what it says is, is so powerful. It's written down on a lovely, uh, dog tag that my fiance got for me last year. It says, consider pure joy whenever you face trials, because that builds character. So mm-hmm. to embrace the trials in life and embrace the bad moments in your life, because those moments are working what are going to breed a better version of you mm-hmm. is definitely just, just take in all the bad that comes into this life. 
if you're at rock bottom, you know, whoever's listening, if they're at rock bottom right now, embrace it, use it to connect with God. And he's going to bring you to a place, to a level that you've never expected it before. If you're in a spot of loneliness, connect with God, embrace rock bottom, and he's going to grow you into new places. Embrace rock bottom. That's well, yeah. And, uh, and just embrace that. Consider pure joy whenever you whenever you face trials at any point. And, so, uh, and, you know, I guess to throw a second one out there is, um, is try to move as much as you can in silence without the entire world knowing, you know, move, if you move in silence and in silent moments are where you're going to grow a lot. Um, you can conquer a lot in silence. You can conquer and you can conquer a lot in prayer. You can conquer a lot in worship. You can lift up your spirit. You can create a positive attitude in your life as in silence. Um, in spending personal time with God and spending personal time with people that you love in small groups and, um, and one-on-one time with, 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 with good friends and significant others, use time to move in silence, you know, in the, in the age that we're in, and I'm a brick, I'm a huge proponent of social media, but I'm also very, um, I'm very picky about, you know, what's, um, what's exposed because you want, you want your growth to be in silence. And when it's in silence, you appreciate it more. So if you want to conquer things in your life, conquer them, conquer them in silence or with a close circle around you. Wow. This is powerful, man. I love it. I love every single one of it. Even myself. I'm like, Oh, I got to grab onto that. Run with it. (laughs) (laughs) This is why he's he's my favorite. One of my favorite speakers right here. I love this man so much. And you know, saying all that, seeing the, the fruits of this, of everything you're doing is just, again, encouraging and I know I'm saying that over and over again, but it's just... I appreciate you, man. Um, and, you know, I, w- I want to leave off on this question. If you could go back in time and talk to your younger self, what is one thing you would tell yourself to do different? It's hmm. one thing I would tell myself to do different. You know, it's, it's weird because I don't believe... I believe everything that happens in life... Um, is made for a perfect line to where God is intended you to be, mm. you know, wherever, wherever it is, if God has a promise and God has a calling over your life, regardless of the decisions you make, they're eventually going to lead to that point. They have to lead to that point. Eventually, you know, God, you know, God promised a lineage for David, right. That his kingdom would rule. So regardless of whatever King David did, his lineage had to proceed. It had to be successful because God wow. called wow. it to be. So for me, I think the, I guess the only thing I would tell my younger self is to, is to cling on to God closer. Cause I feel like it I, between like my ages of like, maybe like 18 and 26, if I was just a little bit closer to God, um, I might've been able to avoid certain calamity in my life. Mm. But even with that being said, the calamity in my life brought me to this point. So regardless if I avoided it or didn't, I still would be in this point in my life. The, the calling on my life would still be the same. So I wouldn't, you know, it's a hard question because I wouldn't change anything that's ever happened to me to this point. I'm alive. I have everything I could ever need. I would never change anything that I've done to this point in my life. All thing I would change is to avoid certain aspects of my younger self that I probably could have avoided if I was just more sold out to God at that moment. I probably would have encouraged my younger self to do that. (laughs) Wow, that's 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 deep. <laughs> he drops the mic. <laughs> and that, that's powerful, man. And I agree. You know, like um, I kind of, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I kind of expected an answer like that from yourself. And you know, sometimes I even think about it. Like there are things in my life I, I wish I could change, but then I think about it deeply. I'm like, yeah. 
you know, if I were if I were to change those things, um, would I still, you know, have twins coming on the way right now? Yeah, it's like the it's like the idea of the time machine. You know, if you change yeah. one thing in the past, then what happens to the future? You know, exactly. And, and you know, it could have been pretty. It could have been uglier. And exactly. You don't, you don't know. Uglier, that's for sure. Yeah. So, exactly. Um, you know, we're we're gonna conclude. We're gonna leave it right there, man. Thanks once again. Um, I know you're on social media. Um, yeah. Do you want to do you want to leave your social media out there a little bit of information on your church for you know people could just yeah yeah so you're gonna want to so I can be found on Instagram at JD underscore figs that's F I G Z um, you can follow the uh, Freedom and God Ministries page at Fig Men's Church and then at the young youth and young adults group at Fig underscore Y Y A that's for youth and young adults. And, um, and yeah, you know, Facebook, Joseph Figueroa, and then, uh, you know, just if they, if they want to follow or, you know, get involved in anything, um, I'm always accessible and I'm always open to everybody. So, uh, so yeah, it's been a pleasure to be on, man. It's been my pleasure, your brother and mine. And, uh, I love what you're doing with doubles arrow, double arrows of grace. And I pray that, that you and, and your lovely wife just continue to grow in Christ, man, and continue to get stronger. I appreciate and it. Bless you for your two little kids on the way, man. <laughs> it's exciting. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, and I appreciate it, man. You guys heard it uh, from the best looking pastor in Staten Island. Don't tell Ross had that. Oh, yeah, yeah no, it's cool. We're going to have some beef. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, man. I appreciate you. And, and God Love bless you. Love you too, bro. All right. Be good, my man. What a powerful message. And we pray this content impacts your life. Do you want more content from this? Great. Check us out at www.doublearrowsofgrace.com and follow us on Instagram for more updates on our podcasts, blogs, and new music. Take care and never forget that you are more than a conqueror.